Hey, all you intrepid architects out there. If you believe design can change the world, then you've found your humans here on this show, Architecting. My name is Angela Mazzi, and I'm an architect and career coach who's figured out how to live my passion while claiming a successful architecture career and lifestyle. This show is about the architect as a person and will help you bypass the status quo traps in our profession while teaching you how to make an impact in your career. We need to stand in our power as architects and use our skills to make great places. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Lights, so excited to be with you today. And don't forget, if you have not yet thought about being an early adopter for my new digital course, which is all about your path to being a thought leader, doing work you love, getting paid well, and getting the promotions and the opportunities you want for the professional development that is just going to be rocket fuel for your career success, you need to get in on this. DM me today. Don't waste any more time. The spots are getting fewer and fewer as more people take me up on this one and only chance for just five people to get the course at half price. So how are you doing today? I mean, really doing. Are you lit up inside? Are you loving your job? If you can't say, hell yeah, this is the episode for you. We're going to focus on the penultimate question I get asked all the time. In fact, it is the single question that led me to begin offering career coaching to other architects 11 years ago. And that question is, should I stay or should I go? And we've all been there. We've all been unhappy with our role, unhappy with company culture, discontent at the fact that our career feels stalled out, wondering if there might be better opportunities somewhere else, wondering if we are getting too comfortable or too complacent doing what we're doing and we need bigger opportunities or a higher profile firm to work for, or maybe we should go out on our own, or maybe we should just be a specialty consultant. What I most find when people ask this question is they're not happy. They're not happy with where they are in their career. They're not happy with what they're doing. They may not be happy with where they're doing it. But I have seen so many people decide to take a different job. And there is a halo effect when you start a new job. Things seem exciting and positive And about a year in, when that halo effect has worn off, you'll start to see what's not so great about the new company, too. What I often find is when people job hop like this because they're unhappy, inevitably, not only are they never happy in the new job that they take, but their complaints are mysteriously similar. When you start to see that pattern emerge where... It's really the same problem, different place. 
it's not them, it's you. You can't negotiate anything if you don't have your own priorities, if you don't have your own asks, if you don't have your table stakes. If you're just vaguely dissatisfied or having a personality issue with a certain coworker or boss, you can't work through it if you're not able to articulate what the problem is. Any employer in that situation is going to be relieved that you actually took initiative. They're going to be able to much more effectively help you doesn't come across as complaining or whining or unreasonable expectation. It comes across as someone who's interested in solving a problem, who has been proactive, and who is now asking for very targeted and specific advice. Now, you get to see what kind of reaction you get. If you are fed a lot of platitudes, but nothing changes, there's your answer. If you are given an action plan that feels good, but not the support you need to be successful at implementing it, there's your answer. If you are told, on the other hand, very specific things you can do, if there is follow-up, if there's an effort to give you the tools you need to solve the problem, then you know that you can stay. Then you know that you're working at a place that is aligned with your values. This should I stay or should I go question is often not about whether your company is a quote unquote good company or a bad company. It's more whether it's an aligned company for you. The work you do, the talent you bring, is being exchanged for the companies paying you a salary, offering you benefits, giving you professional development opportunities. This is an exchange, and both sides are giving and receiving. So if that's not happening, if it doesn't feel like a flow and an exchange that's offering value to both you and the place you're working, that's your sign that you need to approach your boss with what's not working. And you have to be willing in approaching them to understand that you may need to do some work too. You may need to adjust your expectations. You may need to change your behavior. You may need to learn certain skills. So it's not just about complaining or having a grievance and having it basically running to mommy or daddy and having them take care of it. It's about being willing to be accountable for getting the things you want and then being able to partner with your company to help you do that because they see it as mutually beneficial. I want to uh, share with you a story of one of my 
coaching clients whose name is James. And James is really interested in parametric design. And the company that he was working at wasn't all that technologically advanced. They were doing some good things. They were using Revit and Grasshopper and Rhino and all of that, but they weren't really taking that next level step that James wanted. And he felt frustrated that they weren't interested in purchasing the software that he had seen others who worked at firms that were doing this using. He felt frustrated that his project managers would often limit the amount of hours he could spend exploring parametric design and honing his skills. And he really questioned whether he was at the right place or if he really should just take a job at one of these firms that were doing this work already. So we looked at the pros and the cons of doing that. And sure, he could go to the bigger company that would certainly have more resources, certainly potentially other staff further along with this who could mentor him. But he also would be a lower level employee to them perhaps always in the shadow of these people who had already been leading the way on parametric design at the firm, and maybe kind of get lost as a cog in the wheel. On the other hand, he would have the resources. Conversely, he could stay at his current company and lead an initiative to really start working and leveraging parametric design in the work. But that wasn't going to happen just by wishing it so. It meant that James had to come up with a game plan. It meant that he had to do his homework on what software was out there, make some recommendations, have accounted for his learning curve, and whether or not the company was willing to invest have identified others in the firm that he could be teaching so that this idea could have more traction and more impact across the company, not just be James's personal passion project. And he had to show how it was going to make the work that his company did better. And there were two ways this scenario could play out. The owner of the company and his project manager could say, not interested. We don't have the resources to devote to this right now. And we're glad that you're curious about this, but we aren't going to support it. Or they could say that they supported the effort and they could work with James to hone his game plan to something that was mutually agreeable to both of them. The benefits to not giving up on the current company were that he could be a leader in this company by taking on this initiative. He could be providing value at a level that his peers were not. He could be differentiating himself. 
he could be developing a unique point of view, which would happen because he was leading the way instead of following somebody else's path, which is a lot like working for Disney, right? You don't get to draw Mickey Mouse interpretatively. You have to draw Mickey Mouse to look like Mickey Mouse. If you want to learn, there can be value in that, but you never get that full personal expression if you always have to draw somebody else's version of Mickey Mouse. It's really easy to be discontented. It's really easy to complain. It's really easy for the grass to look greener in the place you are not. When you do that, you're almost being, it's almost an immature response, I'll say, where you're not taking any accountability for your own fulfillment, your own career path, your own success. And you're basically like a toddler throwing a tantrum saying, give me what I want. And if you don't give me what I want, I'm going to leave. That isn't a path to personal growth. That isn't a path to things being really any different or better when you move on because you're probably still going to feel unhappy that you aren't getting things to be exactly the way you want them to be and still taking no accountability for being clear about what you want and taking the effort it takes to partner with your firm to come up with a way to get it. In this example of James's case, what he did decide to do was to be accountable, to come up with a game plan, to approach his boss. To the credit of the company that he worked for, this firm was very much interested in evolving their design process, very much interested in being able to have one more tool to help their clients arrive at the best possible solution. And they were willing to invest in him taking a class. They were willing to invest in him doing tutorials at the firm so that other people could learn this too. And they were willing to give him a certain amount of unbillable time that he could devote to developing the parametric process at their firm and selectively applying it at a few test projects and then beta testing, course correcting, and going from there. So the choice became easy. He could be a cog in a wheel at a different, bigger, more prestigious firm, or he could be a leader getting to figure this out and create and forge his own path, staying where he was. I want to give another example of when you should go. This example is Gina. Again, her name is changed to protect her privacy. Gina was in a situation where her boss tended to flatter people make them feel like they were held in very high regard, and then dump an unreasonable amount of work with a crazy deadline on them. This actually is a form of manipulation. It's flattery done for the express purpose of making you feel obligated to live up 
to the flattery. In Gina's case, her boss would walk up to her and say, Hey, superstar, your amazing talents are really needed to help me out with this project. We need to develop an idea for how we're going to approach this, and I would like three scenarios by tomorrow at two o'clock in the afternoon. She would finish that complete dump of outrageous demand by saying, you are so talented and so creative. I cannot wait to see the brilliant ideas that you come up with when we meet at 10 o'clock tomorrow. It's not hard to see that she was basically setting Gina up to work an all-nighter. She was creating the impossible standard that she was now going to hold Gina to. And by flattering Gina, she was essentially obligating Gina to live up to being the person that her boss seemed to believe that she was. However, what Gina had seen happen in the company before was that this boss tended to pick up and drop people. As long as they could provide something she wanted, they were the superhero, the gods. And the minute they weren't able to meet one of her outrageous demands, they became the villain of the story. And Gina had even seen that leading to some of her coworkers getting fired. Their inability to have any boundaries, to say no, to be given a reasonable assignment was viewed as incompetence, held against them, and used as basically the reason to have them leave the company. And Gina didn't want to be in this situation. On the other hand, Gina also knew that she was working at a very prestigious firm. She felt that she had a bright future at this firm and was a little afraid to just walk away from the job, from the high-profile projects, from the opportunities. But she also was sick and tired of dealing with the toxic behavior and the manipulation. In this case, much like in James's case, really had to ask her to get clear on her why. Not everything that this boss asked her to do was aligned with her career path. She would get put on completely unrelated tasks just because it was believed that she could be successful at them and could meet an outrageous deadline, not because she was actually best suited to do the job, and not because anything she was being asked to do was truly in alignment with her career path. So that was a sign that she was not truly valued or respected, but merely a commodity to the company. The next tip off, of course, was the complete lack of regard for her time. What I advised Gina to do in this case was not to come up with a game plan because a confrontation in this case might actually lead to her getting fired. And I wanted her to be able to leave on her terms. 
and leave from a position of strength. And if she was going to negotiate anything, I wanted her to be able to do that without fear because you cannot effectively negotiate if you are afraid. If you are not willing to walk away, you cannot negotiate. And I'm going to say that again. If you are not willing to walk away, you cannot negotiate. You will never get the things you want because you're afraid to really go to the mat for them. So in this case, what I asked Gina to do was to be more insightful instead about what opportunities she really wanted in her career and what it would feel like to get those opportunities. It was a lot less about the specific tasks she would do and more about whether she felt empowered, whether she felt respected, whether she felt that she was being treated fairly and valued. And what would that feel like? What would that look like? Because when all you know is a toxic work situation, you can say, I don't want this. But what you can't say many times is what you do want. So trying to look for another job from that place is not going to be in your best interest because you won't know how to evaluate the people who are interviewing you. You won't know the right questions to ask about the company culture. You won't be able to see how willing they are to work with you or value you if you aren't asking the right questions. And you can't ask the right questions if you don't know what you really want. Jean had to spend some time really thinking about what she wanted to do, what her future might look like in a five-year horizon, what professional development opportunities she wanted, her opinion on working overtime, what she expected from a team dynamic, where she expected to be given opportunities for growth and development, what a communication chain looked like at a company, how the company dealt with conflict. You know, that's a question that we often don't ask when we're looking for a job. But remember that you are interviewing the company just as much as they're interviewing you. So you need to know the answers to these things. Otherwise, you can end up like Gina did, working for a high-profile firm doing award-winning work with a toxic, rotting underbelly. And I don't want that for you. So in Gina's case, once she was able to get clear on that, she was absolutely able to find a job that was a cultural alignment with what she wanted and what the company wanted from her. She was able to give notice to her old boss, who then tried this power play, offering her a raise and a promotion. And I know people that have been tempted because what they're being offered to stay is worth a whole lot more than what they would be getting at the new job if they go. 
I've had that experience myself. I was offered a 30% raise, a significant promotion, and a lot of promises for one-on-one work with the CEO to change the things that I said I was unhappy about. And guess what? That close work never happened. And the very first opportunities that things that were out of my control went wrong, I got blamed for them. I always caution people, even when you've gotten clear that you're ready to go, even when you've found your other job that you feel good about, when you get that counteroffer, you've got to ask those hard questions all over again. Most likely, if they weren't willing to talk to you and work with you before, now they're just desperate and doing what it takes to keep you in the moment because for some reason that's convenient. It's not the way that a company who truly cares about its employees and invests in them operates. Be very wary of counter offers. They're often too little, too late, even when they come disguised with enticing bonuses or promises to change. Hash it out. Be really specific about how it will work. Put things in writing. Ask what will happen if they fail to do what you're asking them to do and what they're claiming they will commit to. Think long and hard about whether your happiness, your career trajectory are really worth money and a title versus opportunities to do what you love in a supportive environment that makes you feel energized and great every day. Because I have seen time and time again, the people that are in it 100% full throttle, doing what they love, always are more successful, more impactful than the people that settled for money and soullessness and are just phoning it in despite their fancy title. So I hope this was helpful for you and that if you are feeling unhappy at your current place of work, that it gave you some insights about how to determine whether or not you should stay or you should go and how to talk to your boss and have that hard conversation as well as what it takes to really effectively get the clarity you need to negotiate powerfully and make it a win-win for everyone involved. If you found this information valuable, please like the podcast, leave a review. It absolutely helps other people to find our community. And join in the discourse Take a screenshot of this podcast, post it on Instagram, say what you loved about it and how it was valuable to you and tag me at Architecting Podcast. You can also always request topics by DMing me or emailing me at Angela at ArchitectingPodcast.com. I love hearing from listeners 
I absolutely love working these topics with you and knowing that the content is what you really needed today. That is my goal to absolutely be in service and help you have your best career because I know that when you do, you are going to make such a difference in the world. So take care, everyone. Love you all, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for being part of this episode of Architecting. If you enjoyed the show, join our community on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn to keep up with what's in the show pipeline, including a behind-the-scenes look at my architecture lifestyle. Feel free to share your content ideas. Love to hear your feedback. You can also visit architectingpodcast.com to download free career content and learn about my classes, book, and coaching programs. Until next time, stay inspired. (laughs) 